Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor in Focus podcast. As we are fast approaching the end of the tax year, and advisors scramble to make some last-minute savings for their clients, we take a look at the opportunities in tax-efficient investments, such as venture capital trusts and enterprise investment schemes. Both offer generous tax breaks while promising to be socially rewarding. But what are the benefits and what are the pitfalls of working with these assets? And should you ever let the tax tail wag the investment dog? With me here to discuss this today are Maury Wright, CEO and co-founder of Parkwalk Advisors, Sarah Barber, Chief Executive at Jensen Funding Partners, and Stephen Page, founder and CEO of SFC Capital. Hello, everyone. Hi, Carmen. Hello. Hi. Hi, Carmen. Maury, let's start with you. Um, it's the end of the tax year. The tax burden is at its highest in 70 years, and many allowances have been frozen until April 2026. We are facing additional challenges this April in the form of national insurance hikes and rising energy bills, plus inflation is high. VCTs and EISs are tax-saving vehicles, but they're also high-risk strategies. How can advisors looking to make some last-minute tax savings for their clients benefit from VCTs and EISs? And what should they be looking out for? Well, that's a very interesting question. And um, I think that sort of EISs and VCTs have become increasingly popular over the last few years, as you say, as the tax burden has risen. And as also with the cap on pensions, um, and particularly in the last couple of years where we've had pretty high increases in savings from, um, you know, sort of pan- pandemic-induced savings for, for, for a lot of people. So, you know, one of the ways that advisors can benefit from this is obviously to, to, to participate in, in uh, and invest you know, their clients' money into EIS and VCT schemes. Um, and obviously, the, the, the risk can be mitigated by selecting uh, managers that have got a decent track record. Although, of course, as we know, past performance is no guide to future performance. But um, uh, And of course, the other thing that we, we see a, a lot of advisors doing is diversifying their client's portfolio. So you know, if, if you invest, for example, in our knowledge intensive fund, um, which is an HMRC approved knowledge intensive fund, that invests in a minimum of 10 companies. And if you put your clients into two or three of those, you've got hopefully quite, quite a nice diverse portfolio there that... Um, should generate, hopefully, nice returns over time. Thank you. It's interesting that you um, mentioned the um, track record. Um, There's been a bit of a trend lately in that VCT launches of well-known managers such as Octopus have been heavily oversubscribed, um, which suggests that advisors are interested in managers that are well-known that have a long track record. Are we seeing a monopoly build up in this sector, Um, Sarah? It's it's an interesting question, um, and uh, I think overall what we're what we're seeing is uh, a lot of the the larger companies um, trying to um, build up these funds. They're also moving into different spaces. The likes of Octopus move into come back into the EIS market. Um, as as people, I think, are starting to invest at an earlier stage. So I think it's not just about sort of this monopoly of larger companies with the um, sort of VCT funds. I think they're, they're actually sort of coming into a different market at, at, at a different stage as well. 
Yeah, and I'd add, Sarah, um, that we also, th I, th yeah, I think there are over 50 EIS funds open at the moment. So, you yep. know, um, it's certainly not monopolistic in my opinion, um, but, but you know, there's a lot of choice out there. And uh, yes, I, could I add to that just to say that uh, there are some really good new ones coming into the, into the space, uh, specializing in, uh, in different sectors. So, um, but I agree that track record is really important from a, investors viewpoint and a, man, uh, and a fund manager's viewpoint or a middleman's viewpoint you know the track record is crucial um but there are good good funds that are, have built that up now over a number of years it takes it does take a number of years uh, but they get there in the end so i would say that you know certainly uh, jensen and sfc have built up our track records over you know, not that long a period, but we've got a good, both got good track records now. And of course, Park Walker's got a great track record over many years. So, okay. Thank you, Sam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure. Um, I mean, we, we are speaking about VCTs and EISs. To what extent, Stephen, can they be actually thrown in the same pot? Can you explain the main tax advantages of both of them and the kind of differences between them? Sure. The um, SFC focuses at the very early stage. So, for example, we we um, we do a large number of investments at SEIS, which is the let's call it the junior relative of EIS, and then we also invest EIS into our SEIS companies. And then I would say it's almost like that. You go SEIS, EIS, VCT, or VC money is pretty much the, the sort of third leg, if you like, in that uh, um, tripod. So early stage companies come in at the SEIS level. They then get a number of rounds at the EIS level, and that can go right up to series, let's say up to series A, then VCTs and VCs take over and do the series A, series B, etc. So you have, it's a well-structured industry, actually, I would say by now. And uh, each one has their advantages and their benefits according to that type of the type of business they're investing in. And is it is it a case? Is it right to say that VCTs with VCTs you're broadly buying into a, into an existing portfolio, whereas with EISs you literally own shares in a company? Yes, absolutely, uh, uh, and I, and I think you know obviously as, as well as the differences in the sort of investments that the um, vehicles make, as Stephen described, but we, we are, there are also sort of differences in in how they are um, in how they actually work for the investor. So, um, if you invest in a VCT, obviously you're you're buying something that's liquid, so that th theoretically or listed, so theoretically there there is a bit of liquidity after your minimum holding period. Um, and of course, VCTs get dividends, so so they're trying to get growth, uh, it's dividend growth, tax free. Whereas uh, the EIS, you get um, uh, we're trying to make capital growth, which is also tax free. So there's no capital gains tax on profits made by EIS funds or EIS investments, if as long as they're held for that minimum three year holding period. Um, 
And of course, uh, uh, EISs also uh, have the ability to defer capital gains tax, which is not available, I think, in VCTs. So, so there are sort of subtle nuances between the two. But yes, um, and of course, you can put a lot more money into an EIS than you can a VCT. I, th I think the, the limit for an individual is a couple of hundred thousand pounds per year, which obviously is quite a lot of money um, for, uh, per, per year for a VCT. And uh, you can invest up to two million pounds per individual um, into EIS if it's if uh, at least half of that goes into what's called knowledge intensive companies, which are uh, sort of basically deep tech companies as defined by HMRC. Okay, thanks for that. Um, Sarah, the investments are still considered fairly risky um, and they're not immediately liquid in the sense that if you want the tax perks, you have to hold them for a number of years. Um, so they're not for every investor. Uh, who tends to benefit from them the most um, and how do managers mitigate the inherent risks? Yeah, so I think uh, two, two good questions there. Um, in terms of the um, sort of types of reliefs that um, that benefit investors most, you, uh, in CGT deferral um, is is definitely key on that. Um, so um, if you've got a gain in the year, you can um, invest in EIS and that can be deferred. Um, the, the other relief is the carryback relief as well. So ensuring that um, you people understand that you can actually carry back with um, EIS, which I don't think you can um, with VCT. In terms of um, the risk and, and mitigating the risk, uh, uh, I, I can't speak for everybody, but what we do at Jensen is we have our SEIS fund um, and then we follow on um, into our AIS fund um, with those SEIS companies. Um, and, and what that means is that we've worked for a good number of years with those SEIS companies. Um, we understand um, how they work. We understand um, the, the sort of growth journey that they're on. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll have probably spent a good two, three years with those companies before investing into them in, in, in EIS. So from our perspective, that's that's very much how we look at mitigating that risk. Um, and, and then the other thing that we do is we have a portfolio team who work with those businesses um, after investment as well. So through that SEI period and after EIS investment um, to sort of make sure that we're we're working with those companies on that that growth journey um, and, and making sure that um, you know we're, we're that piece that they don't necessarily have because early stage growth companies they're not going to have um, a, an advisory board that necessarily is is one that's right for, for their company so we make sure that we work with those companies to sort of uh, slot in those little bits um, that, that may be required for that growth journey. Can I, can I just add to that? Because we do a very similar thing to uh, Jensen, and I think it is a good way of um, reducing risk, certainly at the EIS level. Um, but, of course, the risk profile um, is higher the earlier you invest. So at the SEIS level, the risk is very high, and it does it reduces down as each stage goes through. So... It is clear that as you, once you get, if you get to VCT stage where they are, they do tend to be liquid assets that you're investing in, the risk is a lot lower, but equally the return is. So if you want to make mega returns and get great uh, tax relief, um, but at a high risk, 
that's the SEIS and EIS early stage um, stage of the investment process. Um, but you're and you're only risking certainly at the SEIS level, you're only really risking 25% of your money because you get so much back from the tax man, 50%. And if it if the company fails, you get loss relief. And at the EIS level, it's 30% and loss relief. So you know your your return is significantly higher the earlier you invest, um, but uh, and your risk amount is um, much less than as later on. But with a liquid asset like VCT, of course, you it, it's much more tangible the return in, in terms of liquidity. And Carmen, what we do is we, we try to sort of build a portfolio for investors that's got a sort of diversification of maturity as well as of sectors. So we, we try to make it, I mean, obviously nothing's completely uncorrelated or non-correlated, but, but you know, one hopes that if we're in different sectors in companies that are going to mature at different times, uh, you know, you're not going to be trying to sell the whole fund at one specific point in time. So, you know, obviously it'd be fairly difficult if you were trying to sell an, uh, a whole un, uh, uh, private portfolio in 2008 in the middle of a financial crisis. But but our, our companies mature at different times. So we're, we're exiting maybe over a sort of three, four, five year period. And um, uh, and I think that helps mitigate the risk for, for investors as well. So, so it's a, a spread of of different companies and, and some of our companies are quite mature so you know we need, in fact yesterday we invested in a 35 million pound sort of series b funding round you know, alongside sort of a couple of other institutional investors in a company that's sort of you know done fairly well over the last sort of four years you know proven out a good management team that, are, that have shown that they can develop their product and, and work to their business plan and and you know with strong governance and all the other things that you're looking for in, in a in a relatively early stage investment absolutely um now, there's no doubt that there are some great tax perks to um, all those investments. Um, but you should never let the tax tail wag the investment dog. Um, how can these investments kind of function as part of a wider portfolio, Mori? Um, uh, look, I, I think uh, it's a great sort of part of a, a wider portfolio. You know, I mean, certainly over the last few, certainly over the last few years, we've seen quite a lot of investors with relatively defensive portfolios you know, p- you know people have got quite big holdings in bonds and stuff which which are, are basically losing money in real terms over, over you know but basically if 40 percent of your pension is in bonds you're guaranteed to be poorer when you retire than you are now um, because inflation is obviously higher than the interest rates and some of them paying negative interest rates so um so what people are looking for is, is to have a small portion of their investments in something that might actually generate a b- bit more of a real return for them so you know if you for example, had five percent of your of your portfolio in alternates, as it's called, you know, um, in VC or private equity, and that investment manages to double. You know, suddenly that's generating you a ten percent return on your portfolio, which is um, far more than you're generating historically. You know, I mean, obviously we've had a great bull run in equities the last two years, but I mean, over the last ten years. You know, getting that additional ten percent is is fantastic if you can generate you know, a minimum of a two times return through your alternative investments. And I'd certainly say that it's the investment thesis that's important, not the tax. You're absolutely right. I mean, I still don't want to lose even twenty five or fifty percent of my investment if there were, if that much is given back to me by the government. You know, I'm still making the investment to make money. Uh, can I just add to that that um, whilst it's true that the tax breaks should not wag the tail um they are so good in this country with seis and eis 
that it really is fundamental to how a vast number of companies get funded. And without those tax breaks, there's no question in my mind that three quarters of the companies that get funded in, this, in the UK probably wouldn't because they won't get off the ground. To get companies off the ground in this country, it's fundamental to have SEIS and EIS. Without these uh, tax breaks, a vast number of companies just would not get funded. And, you know, there is a rumour, or it's not even a rumour, that EIS has this sunset clause that uh, theoretically means that EIS will stop in 2025, which cannot happen. And, you know, we've been lobbying for a number of changes to both SEIS and EIS because they underpin the investment uh, funding arena in the UK. And that's why we have so many good startups here. And, you know, without that, VCs, VCTs will not have the deal flow coming through. So, you know, these tax breaks are fundamental to UK uh, innovation. Yeah, I I would absolutely um, agree with Stephen on on that. And I've spoken to um, a a number of different sort of early stage groups, um, some who aren't even aware of this sunset clause. And when I mention it, um, start to get slightly uh, nervous about what's going to happen. So, yeah, we're we're with uh, Stephen on the lobbying side. Um, But sort of also coming back to the um, tax point, I think with when we speak to advisors, they very much um, are looking to get a, a, a diversified portfolio for their investor, their tax planning. And so as much as it shouldn't wag that, um, that they are looking to diversify, to diversify that portfolio. Um, and we get them coming to us saying, right, we know we want to do EIS, what can you tell us about your fund that's going to encourage us to do it? So they've kind of already decided um, what, what what they want to do. It's just who they do it with. Yeah, and just adding to that on the EIS front uh, with this sunset rule, um, yeah, obviously, um, bearing in mind that before the EIS, there was a scheme called the BES, which was the sort of precursor to EIS, and, and and that also had a sunset uh, because I think the legislation has to have a, a tight limit on it. So I personally think that the government will, of course, um, uh, uh, re- renew it. Maybe they'll give it a different name, but maybe they'll keep it as EIS. I'm sure they'll change the name just so we have to do a lot of work on rebranding and uh, everything else. But uh, look, uh, they get, what I think we've seen in the last sort of 15 years is both you know, governments of, of, of either persuasion have been very keen on this because they understand it's getting a lot of money into the early stage you know the current government's sort of whole um so, sort of industrial strategy is trying to turn us into a science superpower you know we're increasing our r&d spend at our universities to 22 billion a year and you know the fruits of, of, of that research comes out and most of it gets funded by early stage eis and, and, and seis uh, investors so uh, and, and that's you know in hugely interesting companies that are going to change t- tomorrow for all of us. You know, it's literally cutting edge stuff, you know, quantum computing, genomics, AI, personalized medicine, all, all this stuff that's going to make uh, a, the world a better place. And, and, you know, and that's another interesting thing for our, for all of our investors is that, um, you know, this is sort of genuine ESG. You know, this isn't sort of, you know, greenwashing. This is creating companies that are going to make the world a better and safer place. And, you know, I mean, I think all of our companies hit various um, of the UN sustainable development goals, for example. Absolutely. Um, now, let's talk a little bit more about um, 
the, the political situation around VCTs and EISs. Um, we've got a budget coming up. Um, now, research has shown that the majority of people invest less than £50,000 um, a year in VCTs. So do you think the current tax relief ceiling of £60,000 a year is adequate? And is there a danger that this could be cut in the next budget? Maury? Look, I, I think... Um... <laughs> Obviously, it's a difficult time for government. We're running a massive um, deficit, and and uh, you, you know somehow or other we've got to try and pay back some of the uh, huge amount of borrowing. Um, so, but 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 my personal understanding, uh, and you know, we, we do have reasonable sort of discussions every now and again with HMRC and HM Treasury to to, to sort of you know to work with them on 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 how the scheme is working and 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 check that they're happy with you know the output of what we're all doing. Is that they are very keen to keep keep money coming into this area. You know, that they really think that this is the way forward for the UK to rebalance our economy by getting these knowledge-intensive companies and and, uh, and technology companies to to to, to gr- create some growth for the UK. So I personally think that, that if anything, we might get better tax reliefs, or not necessarily better tax reliefs, but we might be allowed to put more money into this area than less. Is my view. And we believe that all, in fact, all of the, you know, SEIS, EIS, VCT, although EIS is very, um, a, a large amount, but they should all go up, to be honest, because totally agree with Moray. This is what will, again, underpin innovation in this country. The more money that's put in, and actually the amount of money in comparison to what has been uh, spent on other things is minuscule. It's very, very small amount. It's not going to affect this government or this country at all if they increase, if they doubled the rates, which is what we'd love to see, not just for VCT, but particularly SEIS, and uh, increase all sorts of things, you know, because it really needs to um, get more money into the system. And we, you know, we did, a, we did a Bohurst report, which showed that actually the amount of money going under SEIS, the first funding round, has decreased over the last two years, since 2018. 2018, 2,000 companies got SEIS funding. 2020, it was down to 1,400. So 30% down over the two-year period. Now, some of that may be due to COVID, and we're waiting to see. We're, we're doing the update on this report as we speak. So we're looking to see what happened last year. But we hope it's not that it's just a blip, because that's a tiny number of companies they're kicking off with their investment round. You know, that needs to be trebled, quadrupled to really get this country back on the map. Yeah, and also, Carmen, I think quite interesting, we polled our portfolio companies, um, uh, we, we, we poll them every couple of years, and um, so I think we've got 150 portfolio companies, and they, between them, pay twice as much NI and PAYE per year as they cost the government in initial income tax relief as a one-off. So, you know, it's not, this isn't just sort of the tax man just giving out money to people to, to, to you know, as a sort of rich person's tax break. You know, this is a specific policy designed to try to build the companies of the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the only thing I would add to that is um, that over the next couple of years, it's increasingly important for um, 
us as fund managers, and I think everybody's um, getting involved with this, is uh, to to speak to the government, to give the statistics to the government about the job creation that is being made um, through these schemes and and the benefits that they are actually creating. Because it's not, uh, as Marie said, it's not just the tax benefits to the investor. There are many benefits to the economy um, for these companies. Excellent. Um, now, the other thing, of course, is we are fast approaching the end of the tax year. Um, so for any advisor considering a last minute EIS or VCT investment, what's a realistic prospect in terms of deployment? Sarah? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting question because we quite often get asked to um, guarantee that we will uh deploy by the end of the tax year. Um, guarantees are a very strong word. Um, but uh, what what we would say for the Jensen Fund is we have the deal flow there. We have got um, our pipeline. It's ready to go. So um, as, as soon as we close uh, on the 22nd of March, that will be um, that will be deployed, um, which then obviously gives the advantage of carry back for those investors. Um, in uh, as well as all of the other advantages. Yeah, we we have a um, HMRC approved knowledge intensive fund where um, uh, investors get the tax relief from the date in which that fund closes. So if the the fund will close on April the first this year, and uh, and that gives us date of certainty to investors for claiming their tax relief, which will either be in um, this tax year or carried back one year from that. And just to add, as we we will take money up till probably the middle of March, which will be deployed by the end of the tax year. Uh, like uh, Jensen, we have a portfolio of EIS companies and we have a long, a long list of candidates for our SEIS fund. So we're not concerned about that if people get the money in to us by middle of March. Okay, great, thank you. Um, just the, the last question, what's your kind of final message to advisors about EIS or ECT investment. Side with Murray. Yeah, look, I think um, I think what we've seen over the last few years is, is a big sort of up uptake in, in it. We've seen lots more advisors um, getting to know and understand the space, and uh, you know there are huge advantages. I, I think the key thing, as you alluded to earlier, Carmen, is this is sort of. A, a small part of of, a, of your portfolio management, and can generate sort of those outsized returns that help um, give your overall portfolio perform very well. Yeah, and I, I suppose with um, the changes to uh, things like pensions and you know creating that sort of uh, portfolio for your um, investor is really important. I think EIS should be considered as part of that. Um, you know, especially because there have been so many changes um, to to those other uh, um, in, investments. Uh, all I would say is that, um, you know, if I was uh, an, an IFA, I would advise clients to have a small part of their investment in high-risk um, assets um, because, as we said right at the beginning, you know, that the quality of people like the three of us on this in terms of our funds has improved so much over the last uh, 10 to 15 years that we now, I mean, if you go back 10 or 15 years, maybe one would say, you know, that the, uh, the fund managers and the investors were not very experienced. But now the, the industry has come of age and we've all been in it now for a long time. 
and we know a lot more than we did then. And I think we're making much better investment decisions now. And therefore, I would recommend to an IFA, you know, to have a small amount of their clients' money in the uh, SEIS and EIS and VCT. Great. Thank you very much. Um, and thanks very much to all of you for chatting to me today. Um, it's been very interesting and insightful. Um, and thank you for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.